Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns. This is the second in our trilogy looking at the Lord of the Rings franchise. If you have not listened to last week's podcast, you certainly should go back and listen to that first. And uh, what you may learn is that Sol here, say hello Sol. Hello. Sol here is very anti-Lord of the Rings. He's uh, not in favour. I thought I was. Hello, I'm Alan. I'm the other regular guy here. I thought I was going to be against it. I'm actually turning out to be fairly indifferent. But because we're going to be a bit negative, we want to make sure that we've got someone, uh, a voice for the defence of Lord of the Rings. So last week, our good friend Sean came and joined us. This week, we have another new guest. Please may I introduce Grace Miller. Hello. Yay. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Hello, Grace. So just by way of introduction, uh, you're, a, you're a Lord of the Rings fan? Yes, Lord of the Rings fan. Not sure if I'd say... Lord of the Rings nerd because I know much. You're not a super fan, yeah. No, like I know people who can quote the whole film and you know have read all the books and all that sort. Yeah, of we thing. didn't want to have to deal with those sorts of people. <laughs> I'm glad I can bring a middling fandom to you. <laughs> so just just to get just to get started, obviously we've already talked about the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, so just quickly, sort of potted little uh, sentence or two. Uh, how do you feel about Fellowship? specifically uh, rather than the whole lord of the rings business um with regards to the fellowship it's a really good way of setting up the story it's my least favorite of the three but i oh. do enjoy it okay so what what do you feel like there's just too much setting up going on then not it's, enough action or what? yeah it's it's a lot of just getting us into the world and everything which is awesome because it's beautiful and you've got lots of detail and the costumes are all fab and all that sort of thing but it is just a very long time getting to the into the actual action for me okay. but i do, but i very much enjoy it because i like detail and kind of pandering around a little bit but i realized the reason why i didn't go back and watch it again and again <laughs> okay yeah fair enough when it came out and uh just a, a, a test of your lord of the rings knowledge uh, can you name the nine actors who play the fellowship of the ring oh god okay all right um ian mckellen yeah. sean bean yeah. uh vigo mortensen and i could never know how to say a surname yeah, um, mortensen, yeah. uh elijah wood yeah orlando bloom right and the Three other hobbits. <laughs> <laughs> there is another one as well, a dwarf. Oh, oh shit! I don't know who, what his name is. It's just Gimli. Oh, very poor. Oh, very that's really poor. bad. Five out of up. nine. <laughs> to be fair, the prof, the, you got the the big five. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but look, to be fair, you're not you're not a real film geek. You're not really an actor in the film. Well, you are an actor, but I mean, you're not like a film <laughs> geek uh, kind of, of person. Rings, no. You're a Lord of the Rings fan rather than a cinema fan particularly. Yes. So I'm not going to judge you too harshly for that, but you failed. I mean, let's not okay. let's not beat around the bush. <laughs> Five out of start. nine. Very poor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, we, we, will, uh, we will come on to those guys again, apart from Sean Bean. Um, so... Sol, uh, where, where did we end last? Where did we end last week? What had happened? What just happened when we, Frodo and Sam had run off? Um, Sam nearly drowned. I wished he'd died. Frodo <laughs> saved him. They went off on a boat. Um, uh, Gandalf was dead. Sean Bean was dead. Viggo was just kind of. Crouching down somewhere, I think. 
<laughs> well, no, what? At the end, we had Aragon and Legolas and Gimli basically going, hey, look, that the main adventure has gone beyond us, so should we just go and fanny about with Merry and Pippin for the next film? Um, which I was not a fan of, because I thought it was going to be some crap side plot. Um, they're going to save them, not like... Yeah. They're, they're off to, you know, be brave and heroic. Yeah, exactly. Who cares? <laughs> So, uh, where do we start uh, with this one? Um, we get Gollum introduced properly, don't we? That's how it starts. Well, yeah. it starts with um, a dream. Frodo's thinking back to. Oh. We go back to. Oh yeah, we do, we like like how Callum. Rocky two and Rocky three will pick up with the last fifteen minutes of the previous film. Uh, we start off watching that scene where Gandalf goes, "You shall not pass again." But this time there's about two minutes of extra footage where he kind of punches the Balrog on the way down. <laughs> but still no no uh, explanation or indication as to how he might have survived uh, when he turns up later on. Spoiler alert, Gandalf the White. Uh, because the film wasn't black and white enough. <laughs> Gandalf the White. Turns up. We, we start off with that, yeah, we okay, quick recap, because it's been a year since you watched the last film. Gandalf, we're just setting Gandalf up again because he's probably going to come back. <laughs> and then, yeah, it turns out it was all a dream. Um, so I, I really quite enjoyed the start of this film, you know, because uh, it just oh, yeah. pick, it basically picks up with uh, uh, Fr- Frodo. Yeah, I'm gonna keep forgetting which one's Frodo and which one's Bilbo. So correct me if I Bilbo's go not in this one. Yeah. So I know, I know. <laughs> uh, Frodo and Sam mm-hmm. are just sort of pissing about, but now they've got Gollum tagging along, and it's like a, a kind of buddy road trip. And I, I really enjoyed that <laughs> dynamic for the first half hour or so because it was like. You know, you've got a reluctant character there. He doesn't really want to be. It, it was just interesting. Like, there's far more character, I would argue, in that first half hour than you get in the entire Fellowship uh, yeah. film. Um, and I just found that far more interesting, even though they were just walking along. The the whole thing with them kind of taking Gollum in, um, not really trusting him, but forcing him to show them the way to uh, Mordor, yeah. which uh, which they see at the start on the horizon and it looks about two miles away so about an hour's walk but apparently not so i uh, i was also kind of happy with the introduction of Gollum because my memory of it having watched these films many years ago is that you know Gollum's one of the more interesting characters because he's got a lot of shit going on yeah i was gonna say i think he's a bit of a mixed bag Gollum. I, yeah well what really came came out of watching this film was actually we don't see that much of him here uh, yeah, that that was my film. But I was expecting more. That was my main complaint. I realized that I was really enjoying the dynamic because it was this sense of oh, it's this villainous character and that I've seen so much of and now they're having to work together and you know, it's like when the bad guy has to it's like when uh Hannibal Lecter has to team up with Clarice and that sort of thing. And then I realized, well, no, we've we've only seen about a minute of screen time of Gollum at this point. It's just that I'm so familiar with him through marketing and and mm. trailers and The Hobbit and stuff like that. I don't know. I, I kind of thought, yeah, really, I could probably do with a bit more setting Gollum up, I think, to, to make this work properly. I mean, you do end up with 
more of him in the extended DVD version. I don't know which version no, you're watching. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> but like, yeah, because obviously in Fellowship of the Rings, there you all you see really is some blinking eyes, and you mm. get a bit of exposition from Gandalf about who this Gollum is. Um, in yeah. the extended version, there is that that whole section with Sam and Frodo and Gollum. It's that goes on for quite a bit. There's a lot more to it. A lot more. Are we going to trust him? Are we not? And uh, which I really like. Like that's. I think mm. that's part of the reason why I really love this film in particular is because you do get to, like you were saying, you get to see these characters in smaller groups. So therefore, we actually get to know them a bit better. Which yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fair. To be honest, that's. Yeah, I um I should probably say I've never seen this film properly before. <laughs> um I I rented it when it came out back in 2002 was it on DVD back when there were still video rental places. Oh my god. I'll have been 12 or so and I I watched pretty much the first half, not quite. Uh, I remember specifically the point that I gave up on the film was the bit where <laughs> where Gollum starts having an argument with himself, and I found it funny, so I think I rewound it to watch that bit again. And at that point, I was like, you know what, I'll do the rest tomorrow. And uh, <laughs> then the next day came, and I couldn't be asked. So I'd never actually seen uh, the second half of this film before. Oh my god, there's so much good stuff! Yeah, so it's it's been a, a new experience for me. I wasn't entirely sure what to expect. I didn't remember the first half all that well. So, you know, I, I, I could go either way with this. You know, I, I despised the previous film, but it, it I was struck by how much I enjoyed the first half hour or so with, with Gollum hanging around with, with his new mates. But yeah, I mean, I, Gollum is probably worth talking about just as a character for a bit, because he... Mm-hmm. He was a landmark in cinema history, you know, this this yeah. entirely CGI motion capture character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really impressive what they were able to do at the time. Now, we, we spoke about how well the CGI held up in The Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Is it just me, or is it a lot worse than this one? It you know might just I... be that I was watching it on my big TV on Netflix, <laughs> and the, defin- like the, the internet wasn't great because they've lowered our... Definition because of the coronavirus thing and all that sort of stuff what? in Europe. Oh, Netflix have like put restrictions on how much bandwidth we're able to. They're not okay. letting people stream in HD at the minute because they're concerned about um, a rise in use breaking the internet. What the internet's going to wear out? Like it, the the bandwidths needed for NHS stuff and so on. Apparently, what are you fucking NHS doing with the? They're all watching Netflix at HD. <laughs> it's based we're not on. We're applauding for them. What more do they want? It's based on absolute rubbish, and several experts have said, like, look, Netflix isn't going to do anything, but the government sort of suggested it would be a good idea, and Netflix were like, all right. Mm, they're only transmitting it over 5G now. Yeah, think about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I went for a walk in the countryside the other day and they they dug up this whole field. Suddenly disappeared. And I thought, what's going on? And then there were these massive cables and I realised they must be 5G cables. These huge cables just lying out there. I could have had one. Uh, apparently <laughs> there's put... been... Um, <laughs> there's been attacks on some 5G towers. Like, people have like tried to explode them and stuff. Oh god! I mean, whatever. 
yeah. it's not worth trying to convince anyone who believes that oh yeah no my mum was talking about it being the reason that birds are falling out of the sky so are, yeah. are, are birds falling out of the sky at the minute Apparently. yeah don't you see them Saul they're all over the floor <laughs> you see all those birds dead oh god um, yeah, I thought the same thing, Saul. Uh, I watched this on Netflix and in perhaps slightly better quality than the highly illegal website I watched uh, <laughs> Fellowship on. And yeah, I sort of noticed the cracks a bit more there as well. It's still good. And to say yeah, it's 2001, it, it, 2002, it's still solid. It specifically, it was how the CGI models blended into their backgrounds was the issue. It's lighting, isn't it? And all that sort mm. of thing, yeah. There were a handful of shots where it looked absolutely seamless, where they do like a close up on Gollum's face and there was just like gravel behind him. That looked perfect. But then when he was stood in front of some trees and stuff, it was all a bit like, oh. Yeah. I, 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 no, I, I, thought, I seem to think um, it's all right as long as you don't look where he's making contact mm. with other things. Like if you don't just look mm. at his feet, <laughs> it's okay. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I wonder if maybe it was that whole thing of the first film had such great special effects that they thought, right, we can go further with it now, and they went a bit mm, yeah, beyond but their reach. But then it was or... still brilliant for the time. Like, yeah, we yeah. had nothing better to compare it to at the time. Like, then it was like, yeah, this is amazing. That that is well, true, yeah, yeah, but it was groundbreaking, and what you say, and but you know, I I, I would point to um, Spider Man came out the same year as this film, and and I think that was far more heavily reliant on practical effects mixing in with the CGI, and I think it the effects hold up pretty much perfectly in that film as a result for the most part, whereas. This film is a lot more like whenever there's a practical effect, you're like, "Wow, look at that costume and that makeup. That looks mm. fantastic." And then whenever the CGI comes in, it's more. I mean, my main my main question really is why is Gollum CGI? Because I'd never really thought about it before, but it mm. just struck me in this film. Why why is it not just a creepy skinny actor that w- they put some makeup on, like the whoever <laughs> played the girl at the end of Wreck, that Spanish film. <laughs> Couldn't you get someone like that in? And 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 my guess is, my guess is somewhere in the next film we're gonna get a sequence showing us Gollum as a, well, Smeagol as a Hobbit before he became a creepy monster, and so it'll just be Andy Serkis with some Spock ears on and long hair. <laughs> well, yes, yeah. but that I mean, you, you still don't need. That doesn't. You you still got an actor playing that part where you could then. You know, he still looks nothing like Gollum as a CGI character. So if he looked nothing oh, like so, Gollum yeah. as a <laughs> yeah, little creepy guy, wouldn't make much difference, would it? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's because they can or they could. They realize they could use that technology, mm. and why not? It's a like they're using so many different things in this film. And that's an exciting new toy to play with that I imagine Peter Jackson was like, well, this is brilliant. Let's do it like this. And you can, like, he looks so un, unlike, obviously hobbits aren't human, but like he looks so unhuman and so mangled and emaciated. And I think you just couldn't get that look with a, even with makeup and act a skinny actor in the same way to kind of show how much the ring has affected him and just turned him into this bizarre creature. I I kind of yeah I, I I get that I just personally I always forget that he's even meant to be the same thing as them because he's mm. so 
different <laughs> because he's <laughs> computer generated. And I just mm. think it would work better, this idea of him being this corrupted hobbit that's gone completely wrong if they'd done it practically personally yeah i think perhaps the problem is we've never we never seen him out of that so we yeah yeah we do get the backstory we get the flashback but we get that later so that's it if i had that flashback in this film or uh, ideally at the start of this film i think it would have worked a lot better for me but Mm, i I know what you mean i kind of like that it comes later because it gives us longer to kind of have a bit more of a mystery about Gollum. Like we're we're piecing together bits of his story throughout the nature of the world that we're in. There could be a whole tribe of people who look just like him, and that's just what they look like. That's perfectly yeah, healthy and normal. Exa- for that's them. exactly yeah. it. Yeah, because we have nothing to compare it to. So we only, but I think we get a much better indication that he's not well by the the characterization, and you know, obviously the split personality element and all that. The the character himself. I mean, he again, he was a breakout character. People loved him. I think it's partly because everyone could do an impression of him, but yeah. I, I always, I always thought Gollum was just incredibly fucking basic. If you know what I mean, I, I complained in our Harry Potter episode about the art design on a lot of the mm. film characters just being very obvious and not particularly uh, inventive, just as it's written without any real imagination mm. beyond that. And I, and I think Gollum is very. He's not a particularly interesting thing to look at. He just doesn't look nice. Do you know what I mean? I I feel like if someone like Guillermo del Toro had had been in charge of this, he would have been way more interesting to look at. Um, but beyond that, the voice is so. I I, I just remember Andy Circus. I mean, this made Andy Circus the yeah, you know like, actor that he is mm-hmm. now. But I, people were raving it. about him back then and how great he was. And oh, he came up with a voice, and you'd see him on chat shows going, "Oh well, the voice. It's a combination of a, a cat with a furball and uh, something." Like that. It's like no, you just did the most obvious. I'm voice. <laughs> like it, there's, there's so much, nothing to it. Like very, but there is a lot of variation in it. I think. But it's it's just Is that your impression? (laughs) Well (laughs) I wanna hear both of your best Gollum impressions. The bit that really annoys me with it is when they try and justify the name by it being a cough (laughs) that he does. And and he goes he goes, Gollum, Gollum and it's like, fuck up. You could have just you could have done it like Like you could have done it so it sounded like Gollum, and then you can buy. Oh, it corrupted over time. It's you know, but instead he just goes Gollum, Gollum, and it's like that's not. I don't think that's what was intended. I think it sounds more like a cop. (laughs) Yes, we blew for us. Gollum, Gollum. He's literally saying Gollum as he coughs, though. He's he's announced <laughs> he's pronouncing the the L's and the M's, which aren't noises a mouth would make if you were just coughing. I don't know. It just it, I imagine J.R.R. Tolkien intended it to be a kind of like, you know, like more more subtle <laughs> than it is in the film. It is a great embodiment of the character. I think it's interesting that Andy Serkis has gone on to play animals so often because. It is quite animalistic in a kind of human sense. It, it, it feels a bit like, you know, a drama school, someone saying, okay, you're, 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 yeah. a, a, you're a, a chimp, and I walk across the room as a, an angry the, chimp. The, the thing is that I find very weird is that I, I'm not blown away by anything about his performance with Gollum. Like, not that he does a bad job of it at all, but I feel like any actor could have done what he did here that well. But 
in subsequent motion capture roles, I think Andy Serkis has been utterly phenomenal. So mm. maybe he's was bringing something that was being held back by the character or the limitations of the technology. I, I don't know. Because I do think he is an incredible actor and I you know, I love his performance in, in motion capture roles like Caesar in the Planet of the Apes films or uh, who else he done? Snoke, I guess, in The Last Jedi, but not The Force Awakens. As in, I liked him there, not that he wasn't in it. There's certainly a commitment to the physicality of it, and that really works. I think it's it needs to be yeah, you know, it needs to be all in. I think the voice works. I think he's managed to find a sort of creepy sounding voice that he can still emote with, and yeah. then have a secondary voice that's sort of similar but not quite the same. Uh, I think uh, with all the sort of things in mind it, it works really nicely i i really love it i think it's a really good performance uh, because like i think he's really good at getting you to kind of start to have some hope for the schmiegel side of it and like yeah feel really sorry for it and like, i feel like that that side of him really pulls at the heartstrings like that that argument that you talked about that you um used to rewind back because you found it amusing like I thought that was a brilliant scene and especially like the idea of like getting rid of your demons and stuff like that with mental health being so important these days like I I kind of like it really kind of struck a chord with me and I was just like that's really cool and I really like it and I think seeing him battle against himself was really Master's my friend you don't have any friends nobody likes you not listening I'm not listening. You're a liar and a thief. No. Murderer. Go away. Go away. <laughs> I also think that if that had just been an actor or just Andy Serkis or whatever, and I'm sure there's footage of him doing it without the CGI on it. I just don't think it would work because it's just like you just see this well, actor being so earnest and trying to sell it and I just think um... I think it depends <laughs> on the quality of the actor because again same year Spider-Man I, I would point you to that scene of Willem Dafoe arguing with himself in the mirror as he goes crazy as the Green yeah, Goblin yeah. it's an incredible scene incredibly well acted I don't understand Did you think it was coincidence? So many good things all happening for you, all for you, Norman. What do you want? To say what you won't, to do what you can't, to remove those in your way. The board members, you killed them. We killed them. We? Remember. But I also watched an episode of Community last night uh, where Chang parodies that Gollum conversation. <laughs> and it is kind of cringy to watch because, you know, Ken Yong, he's not quite. Uh, and that's playing it for laughs, I presume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still... I told you they hate you. <laughs> no. They said they just needed more time. Time? They destroyed your life! How much time before we take revenge? But they're my friends. I'm your only friend. No. 
Schmeagle impression. Um, what does he sound like? Alan, Alan doesn't really do impressions. I know. <laughs> Alan, Alan, do Alan will do Sean Bean? Do you Sean Bean? Yeah. <laughs> One does not simply walk into Mordor. It's a gift. Everybody knows somebody who can do a really good impression of Gollum. Like I, I was in bed well, with I a guy think... once, and in the middle of the night, he just started doing a Gollum impression. It was. Really <laughs> uh, I think everyone can do an impression of Gollum, though. I think that's the thing. Jar Jar Binks, 10 years ago. I, I tried doing one earlier, and I couldn't do it. <laughs> Schmeagel. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sure I could do it, but I'm, I'm worried about trying to find it here on the show where you can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's basic for my own entertainment that I want to hear it. <laughs> you don't have any friends, no. No, it's too too much. You're doing Terry Jones. My, <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> Brian. <laughs> Colin, we we want precious, precious. Is that it's gotta get a bit of. And then, uh, I mean, it, it's there. All the pieces are there. I've just got to figure out how to blend them in the right. La 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 blind and dead. Do you know what would be best, though? I think if, if I was making this film now, I'd definitely cast Stephen Graham as Gollum. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I'd cast Stephen Graham as Gen- Genuinely, genuinely, not as a joke, if you were casting this film now and you can't cast Andy Circus. Who would you cast as Gollum? Ooh. I'd give Joe Gilgan a call. Oh, fucking hell. Joe Gilgan can do anything. The most likeable man in the world. So yeah. you're going to be sympathetic off the bat. Quite menacing when he wants to be. I think, it'd be, I'd be, I think he'd knock it out of the park. Mm. Well, that's the beauty of Gollum as a character. I think that we... It is. I mean, I was going to say it's probably one of the most um, sort of... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not... Like, uh, not just simply black and white character is, you know, there is some blurred lines there. Oh, I, um, I think he is by far and away the most interesting character in The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, there might be someone in the third film that surprises me, but certainly based on the first two films. But yeah, and but, ev- but even even this character, but even this character, even though this character you can say is not black and white, it is defined by well, a black kind of side gray, and a white he? side. Sort of. But yeah, that, that's kind of it. Trans- translucent skin. <laughs> but that's it. Like even this character is only pure good and pure evil, and like one or the other at any given moment. Still not a grey character. So you know. Uh, but I was a bit disappointed with how little I got of Gollum in this whole film, and and I think that's a problem with the film as a whole in that it's got like three different stories going on that do all come together. Yes. Yeah. But one of them is considerably weaker. Than others. What, yeah. Merry and Pippin talking to trees. <laughs> 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 that needed an hour of screen time. <laughs> no, it, no, it it really did though because trees do everything very slowly. They're very specific mm. to say. Uh, in a scene that felt like it was being played for laughs, the way it was structured, but I think was actually serious. I I don't really know what, what the trees was... scene. The trees yeah. are meant to the the ants are meant to bring some comedy to it. They're not trees; they're ants, guys. See that? I think the 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 concept of comedy in these films is really setting a low bar. <laughs> like, there's so many opportunities to have fun with it, and if you are gonna, because that that whole storyline, the whole Mary Pippin storyline, 
could be taken out of this film because even if you literally had them turn up at the end, I know they actually turn up somewhere else. But if you had to turn up at the end on a tree, a walking tree, and they're like, "Where the fuck have you come from? We thought you were dead." Like, no, we look, we're with the trees. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've come to save the day. <laughs> And that would be fine. In the same way, Gandalf just, Gandalf just turns up from out of nowhere. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. But I think they left that in because they thought, oh, we better have a bit of, you know, Merry and Pippin. They're good, funny characters, aren't they? Talking they to are. the tree. Right. So my, my biggest complaint with Treebeard, right? Is we're, it that we're in... John Reese davis is doing the voice and you're like, why is Gimli a tree that, now? What's going on? That's my second, that's my second biggest complaint. <laughs> uh, my biggest complaint with Treebeard is he's introduced and then... They go, oh, we're talking tree. And he goes, I'm no tree. Your name is fucking Treebeard. Don't get offended <laughs> that someone you thinks you're a tree when you have tree as the first half of your name. You must be aware that you look like a tree. Yeah, but that... my name's Grace and I'm not in any way graceful. So you can't judge a person by their name or in any yeah. by their name. Yeah, you're um, you're not sunny, are you? <laughs> your sunny disposition. I do taste like a cheap beer, though. So. <laughs> Corona. But yeah, the fact that it's John Reese Davis's voice, I don't know if they thought they were just going to get away with that. But it's not even him doing a different character voice. It's the same voice. I actually had no idea that it was the same voice. They just needed to save some money. They'd spent they'd spent millions on this, Alan. They needed to save some pennies somewhere. They were like, yeah. oh, we got. We got him over here, just sat in a trailer. Yeah, I mean, was did the to... were they in a recording studio and the guy didn't turn up and they were like, "John, can you do this for us?" It's bizarre, isn't it? I I did think what a missed opportunity to turn this into a really fun, interesting character. It's it's a shame Taika Waititi wasn't more established back then because <laughs> I think he'd be the first guy you go to now for this role. Oh, yeah. oh I'm actually not a tree. I'm, I'm an int. <laughs> <laughs> See that already? That w- that would be ten times better. <laughs> yes, it would. It fucking would. <laughs> so yeah, uh, let's wrap up the the uh, the. I was going to call them Piper and Merrin. Then what were their names? <laughs> Pippin and Pippin and Merrin. Yeah. So they uh, they literally just take up twenty minutes of screen time talking to a tree. Uh, it doesn't go anywhere, and then they're like right at the end. It's like oh, hang on a sec. We are being affected by this. Let's go and fight. It just feels very wasted and kind of pointless and, un- and unnecessary. And it, and they don't even affect the battle that we're dealing with because they go and attack somewhere else. Yeah, but they're taking um, they're taking him out of the overall battle. The which one yeah. is it? I get I get confused Saruman. between Sauron and Saruman because they're basically the same name. Yeah, Saruman. Um, but let's, so let's Saruman's like the un- underboss, isn't he? So this is yeah. we have a huge climactic battle at the end of this film, but then it's like, but this isn't the end of the story. So obviously it's building up that this is okay. We've taken out Saruman now. Well, surely it's all to do with like nature versus industry because of the industrial revolution and all that sort of stuff at the time when the books were written. The, in- the they weren't written in the industrial revolution, but around like after it, weren't they? Well, yeah, like hundred years after it. it. Yeah, but like reflecting <laughs> on it. And, like, but the but they that... were they were written as as J.R. Tol- Tolkien was seeing the effects of industrialization upon the world and the change on the world. Oh, so I mean, there, yeah. there is a lot about that in this. Well, the books, I assume, certainly yeah. the films, which is why I assume that's an important like part of the story, which they couldn't just cut out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. We talked about this slightly last week, and I'm not sure exactly 
how much of this is in is come from the filmmakers or what's in the book. But there's a lot of stuff in here which you could you could probably put down to Tolkien serving in the trenches in the First World War. You know, grime, oh, yeah. mud, trees being felled, just looking across a devastated wasteland of you know that's that been shelled and shit. Yeah, yeah, with all the, yeah dead, the dead bodies, bodies under yeah, the war. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I don't know how much of that is from the book, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's you know, I yeah, you you can see the scars of of the 20th century war yeah mm. i do really the dead marshes like that was a bit that because i realized i hadn't watched this film saying it was my favorite lord of the rings film i hadn't watched it for 14 years so <laughs> <laughs> yeah even, even fans can't take it <laughs> i just i was but when i did watch i was like obsessed i watched this extended dvd version over and over again i watched all of the extras watching it again there was so much i was like i i completely forgot any of this happened and like it's a lot creepier than i remember it being and the dead marshes especially oh like, god yeah that is a really oh, like it. oh like moment and they're seeing just those bodies under there it made me want like i always long for peter jackson to return to making horror movies but that really made me feel even more sad about the fact that he hasn't done one in forever <laughs> but i don't know but that whole bit well i i was just thinking what is this ghost now river ghosts what's going on it's just like i didn't i felt like there wasn't any context for this why was you know and and well that's the battle from the beginning of the first one isn't it but frodo's like losing his mind yeah he goes like catatonic because a ghost looks at him in some water and I, I want to argue that it's quite subtle, him slowly kind of degenerating as he goes along, but I, I don't know, I think we need to see something, we need to see what's going on, and it's all just expressed in him, like, uh, you know, going a bit dizzy and faint, and then suddenly, like, collapsing and stuff, I, I don't know, I just... I... But then snapping at his mate, being like, will you fuck off, and then, the, yeah. oh, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Frodo... <laughs> yeah I, I don't know and then so that whole swamp bit was sort of the the kind of ultimate sense of that where it's just like what what's going on i know like they're the fallen you know I mean, I, spirits or whatever but it's like we've got ghosts now and he's just being drawn to them somehow why what's that got to do with an evil ring cause, cause didn't he say something to the effect of they'd all been corrupted by some of this evil magic that's knocking around and so trapped yeah. there because they'd all been drawn in by. Well, aren't they all the fallen from the f- big battle at the beginning of the first film, like where yeah. they, where the ring was involved and stuff? So that's their relationship. Yeah, I, I I didn't feel like it was any more nonsensical than the other stuff in this. But I think the that's the, the problem, isn't it? That we we had last week as well. That none of it means anything. There's no subtext to it, or not enough anyway. And yeah. It is just like, oh, what fantasy bollocks can I put in this chapter then? I hated the first film so much, but having, you know, just beating me over the head for three hours with that bullshit, I think I was just numb to it by the time I sat down yeah. to watch this film. So it just didn't bother me in the same way. And I could just kind of be like, yeah, whatever. It's a load of magic, whatever. It's fine. That, but that bit, this one bit, just particularly because it added nothing. It, they they just sort of came away from it and then walked off. It, it, it had no effect. It had no consequences. It was just nothing. Um... Well, uh, just to kind of go back through the plot a bit, because we've kind of jumped ahead a bit there. Yeah. I mean, they end up in that swamp because Gollum is showing them the way to Mordor. Now, I wasn't entirely sure why they needed someone to show them the way to Mordor, when again, they can clearly see it on the horizon. It's like, just (laughs) walk towards that big light. Um, 
pretty straightforward. But yeah, so they set off on the quest. Then we have uh, the other subplot with Legolas shouting that they're taking the hobbits to Isengard. To Isengard! To Isengard! <laughs> I had to watch it. I had to stop the film to go and watch that YouTube video about twice because I just really wanted to. Well, I think my one of my favourite videos on the internet is when I think it was during production of the Hobbit uh, films someone playing that uh, internet remix video thing on an iPad with Orlando Bloom stood there as yes. they are doing some makeup or something <laughs> and then him sort of trying to He's like the... popping up from behind the um like iPad and going God 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 and then back behind. It's brilliant. Yeah. Isengard, God, 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 God. The hobbits, the hobbits, the hobbits, the hobbits, the hobbits, the hobbits. Two eyes in God, two eyes in God, two eyes in God. <laughs> it's the best thing to come out of this franchise, if you ask me. I think it's impossible to not think about that YouTube video when you hear they're taking yeah. the Hobbit to Isengard. It's... There's two bits <laughs> like that in this film, and uh, I suppose we'll get to the other one in a bit, but it, I was surprised how much it had permeated even my... It happened in the first one as well, actually. There's that scene where, where what's-his-name, leans in and says, one does not simply walk into Mordor, and I was like, oh, mm. it's the meme, it's it the is thing. the <laughs> it's ultimate the meme. meme. <laughs> I do feel like that, like Hobbits to Isengard, like that was in the early days of like things going viral, wasn't it? Like, I've I don't know what you're talking about, by the way. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I I saw a I saw a, a Badger 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 remix of it, which should tell you the the, the era of the internet that we're talking oh, about. Oh wow. Oh, come on, Alan, you're not that old. <laughs> I honestly don't know. <laughs> you must, you, you do know Badger, Badger. Mushroom, I don't mushroom. know why you're saying that. Like. <laughs> you know Salad Fingers? Yeah. Oh, that's right, you, you, it, it, Weeble Stuff was like a contemporary to David Fur. Okay, I know Weeble. The yeah. same thing at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So Badger, Badger, Badger was probably the big, famous Weeble Stuff cartoon. That Okay, it's possible I saw that 20 years ago, yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh yeah, then there's there's a load of bullshit about um some kids having their village burnt down, and I was just like, who the fuck are these people? I, I said the care. same thing, and it never did come to to be important. Well, they do. They turn up at the main like Rohan place, and they pass on the message that the whole village has been like been attacked so they yeah but then we the see them being reunited with their mother later at the at helm's deep yeah because that's obviously where they were meant to meet up although i don't remember her saying i'll see you at helm's deep plus all that all that is pre precursor by 
a big chunk of Saruman doing voiceover now because, you know, there's film like the first one. Why bother telling a story when you can just have someone do a voiceover to give you a load of shit information? Um, and all, and then it turned out all he was doing was, like, winding up some men with beards. <laughs> My next note is some, some boring men with bright blue eyes and beards. Who are they? One sentence to death. What's going on? Yeah. I, mean, I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah, no, no idea, no desire to learn who they are or no more. Because obviously, the whole point is that Saruman is divide to conquer. So he's he's getting these tribe of men to attack this tribe of men and pit the men against each other so they don't all come together. I just feel like that could have been easily said or or, or shown in a different way and and made it a bit clearer or at least defined these characters because what we're actually doing here is setting up the Rohan people and bear in mind that these don't work as three separate films so we're four hours in to a a, a nine hour story here and we're establishing a whole new world and a whole new set of characters like that is not a good storytelling why is Rohan only just turning up now who the fuck are they they're the horse lords they tell you (laughs) Oh, they give you the information. Did they say the word yeah. <laughs> they kind of come up the rock and they look and Aragorn's like, ah, Rohan, the home of the ha- horse lords or something like that. <laughs> and, then, and then we know who they are. But then we get this very basic setup of this family dynamic. So you've got the king who's like in some sort of funk, a son who then is dead. I don't really know, but then there's, I think the other one's the nephew who actually goes off and then ends up coming back at the end. I wasn't really getting all that. There's a woman who picks up a sword and like, oh, a woman with a sword. Uh, She's the daughter, I think. Obviously, she's not allowed to. She's she's the niece as well. Oh, she's a niece as well. Okay. And then, yeah, and then that sort of whole going on, you've got Brad the Riff there doing like a totally bigger character than everyone else is doing. Well, yeah, normally he's he's used to playing tiny characters and they like dolphins. <laughs> I'm really impressed at how they keep up like that constant level of moisture on his face. <laughs> <laughs> There's a load of stuff that's cut out. I I did really think the cinematography was a step up in this one. Um I sort of complained that a lot of the first film cinematography wasn't actually that great. It was just that they were filming it in New Zealand and it looks beautiful by default. (laughs) But I I don't know, I thought there was a lot of more interesting camera decisions being made in this one, some uh, more interesting lighting and stuff happening. Still quite, you know, prone to the complaints I had last time round, but I, I liked it more in this film. It felt like an improvement. Am I supposed to know the difference between orcs and urukai, and does it matter? Um, well, we find Sorry, what's out an the... urukai? Urukai are like the really hench ones. So they're the ones that have like in the first film they get bred specially for this war. They're born they're the... from the dirt, right? Yeah, and I like, thought that was just out. an orc. No, they're urukai. The orcs are the ones that are like a little bit shit-like looking compared to the other ones that are like really buff, and they're the ones that are apparently fallen elves, which I think they talk about in the first film as well. Oh, I didn't know and that. so the, whereas like so the urukai are like built for fighting, and they're the ones that keep running, and then it's the orcs that are like, we need a rest, so we're gonna sit like actually rest for the night. Is any of that in the film, or yeah. is this like you have to read the Silmarillion to get it? 
No, it's it's there if you like pay attention. I I can't. I just I try, <laughs> but I just blaze over after. I pay attention for the first half hour. Um, well, that's something. Uh, the other subplot happening is Orlando Bloom and Gimli and Viggo Mortensen. I, mm-hmm. I guess all running across the field. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really yeah. fast. There's so much running. And and they make a big joke out of like ha 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 Gimli's crap at running because he's struggling behind them and it doesn't really work because he's actually keeping pace with them at the same speed he's just a few <laughs> meters behind <laughs> and it's actually quite impressive to run across New Zealand at that pace for <laughs> that long so and he has got a smaller gait you know he can't do anything about that yeah he's got small exactly little and he little is dwarf he's, uh... legs. No, he's, they're, they're more your lean cross-country runners. He's a, he's a sprinter, isn't he? As yeah, he says. Yeah. So it's about this point that we're half an hour into the film, and <laughs> I was genuinely enjoying this one at this point. <sighs> I, I've made half-hour like landmark, flag-mark pointer notes here, like I did last time around, just keeping track of how I'm feeling. So yeah, I was enjoying it. Okay. Good. Uh, and then we go to the marsh scene that we've spoken about. A yeah. bit. And I, I was struck that it doesn't really... Like, it's interesting, isn't it, that Gollum, he's completely, you know, dishevelled, corrupted to the point that obviously not worried about his appearance anymore, doesn't comb his hair from the look of it, doesn't brush <laughs> his teeth, I don't think. Not really bothered. But still plenty of modesty, because he makes sure to wear a little loincloth so you can't see his dick. <laughs> <laughs> Was the world not ready for Gollum's dick? I mean, did did you want to see a little CGI Gollum bit? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Just flopping around yeah. in the marshes. They look. They did it in Watchmen. Apparently, the new TV series. You can't move for blue dicks swinging around. So <laughs> why not? I think it would. I think it would add to how creepy he is if his little oh little God. baby dick was just there. <laughs> yeah, if it was like a crazy frog type thing, it was just a little sort of. <laughs> He is a crazy he frog. He does look like crazy thing. frog. <laughs> That's like. <laughs> Couldn't he just not have a dick? Couldn't that be part of it? That the dick had shriveled up back inside, mm. up inside mm. him, as part of the whole like descent into evil thing. Oh, surely dicks are evil, though. He should, yeah, it gets bigger. Yeah, it, yeah. So then Treebeard shows up, and he's grumpy. And, I mean, the voice is crap, we've complained about that already, but the sound design is fucking terrible. I could barely hear what you were saying. <laughs> Isn't that kind of the idea? Is it? I think so. Well, like, he's like Bane. Talking in tree is like a weird, like... Do you know who they should have got to play Treebeard? Uh, Vin Diesel. No, someone who's got... Oh, well, yeah, that still works. Manu- someone who's Manu- got ex- well. experience uh, playing uh, a plant. Uh, uh, Levi Stubbs. Levi Stubbs, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the the hobbits go to uh. There's a big march of some soldiers or something. They're marching, and uh, Frodo kicks up some dust like an idiot, and the soldiers <laughs> look at him, and he's hiding, and they walk over like, "Did you see that?" Uh, <laughs> and then out of nowhere, correct me if I'm wrong. Out of nowhere, they get a magic cape from Harry Potter. Right, I I made the rock. same note, so I put how uh, is that supposed to be a magic cape, or is it just we're supposed to accept that it's magically changed color? And then is it just meant to be a really happy coincidence that their cape looks exactly like a rock? 
Well, it doesn't, does it? But no, that, that that's the thing. I made the exact same note, and then like thirty seconds after, Sam says, "Oh, I don't think these elfin cloaks will save us next time." And uh, so they obviously got an elf cloak that's some sort of magic. But I don't know if that was set up earlier, because if they were given that in some scene, I, I missed that completely. It probably where they go, and it was here is your magic elf cloak. When they visited Gliadril and that sort of thing. Because in the extended version, there's more stuff about the rope that they tie Gollum up with. Because he's going on about like, oh, the elves twisted it. There is in the extended version, they're talking about, oh, this elven rope. And they just like talk, constantly keep on mentioning all these different things that they got from the elves. So they got the rope, they got the lamus bread, and then the cloak Ugh. is another thing. So I think they don't fully explain it, but there is enough like kind of like things to make you think, okay, the elves set them up That's with a load of magical it. stuff. It's like he pulls out a sonic screwdriver to get in the gate. <laughs> that would be really useful, actually. <laughs> so, I mean, Gandalf's back at this point, by the way. So, yeah, did after I miss something? The Is there the Balrog of Morgoth, which I love the way that Ian McKellen says it. Now, now, what I noticed here as well in this scene where they go in to meet this king or whoever he is, they're suddenly calling him Gandalf the Grey every time they say his name. He's in disguise. <laughs> oh, Gandalf the Grey. You dare come here, Gandalf the Grey? I know he is, but like, did, I don't remember them ever specifying that he was Gandalf the Grey. I mean, maybe they did once or twice in the previous film, but they're really, really hammering it home <laughs> that he's Gandalf the Grey in this one. Yeah. And I don't really buy they would be. And then, of course, he drops a cape and... Costume reveal. Oh, what's underneath? Yeah. And they're, they're terrified. They see he's Gandalf the White now. Uh-huh. Yeah, because he's got white power now. Because so- he's... <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's very much like with the whole... Christianity influences that I'm sure J.R.R. Tolkien was writing with because like it's lots of parallels with the gospel and stuff but like so I think the whole thing is like he's he's meant to be a Jesus type character because he's kind of died and come back to life but then we need to see a scene where some women go and open up a cave that his <laughs> dead body's in. We have the moment where Ian it. McKellen is naked and then he gasps and that's him reawakening. <laughs> <gasps> and you're like, ooh, Ian McKellen's shoulders. That, that, scene, that scene where he, <laughs> he comes back, you know, they they sense something and they're like, alright, arm yourselves, fellas, and then he just like immediately like throws their weapons away. But like, he doesn't just go, oh hey, don't worry, it's me, guys. He does this like prank on them where he's like pretending to be Saruman he's like doing the voice so they shit themselves because he's like hey guys I'm back from the dead and I'm a prankster now hey <laughs> you know good old Gandalf but it's a good job it was Gandalf because if it had been Saruman they would all be dead and that would be the end of the whole thing wouldn't it yeah <laughs> alright I've, I've made a note here one hour in I've made the note no idea what's going on. Some king got his memory back, but I'm not hating it. Oh. Okay. That's good to hear. So yeah, we go into Rohan, uh, and you got King Bernard Hill there. They free him. Gandalf frees him because now he's stronger than Saruman, so it's it's all right now. And Rohan is basically just like a Shakespearean theme park where everyone talks in Shakespearean <laughs> sort of language. A- again. Why is Gandalf now stronger than Saruman? Because he died and came back to life. Yeah, like so he like lived. But like, why does that make him stronger? Lifetimes because he's because Saruman is now corrupted. So he's whereas Gandalf is like pious and ascended and amazing now. 
But you know when they they say that that doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You know and that genuinely like is very rarely true. <laughs> like you, you might develop an immunity to a virus, but usually you recover from some horrific accident. You're gonna be weaker. Like you, Rick Mail, they say was never the same after that quad bike accident, and he didn't live that much longer after that anyway. So yeah, but this is magic. <laughs> it's not real life. <laughs> Yeah, but Saruman's also magic, so surely he's been doing magic for longer. But he's also, like, he's cocky with it. He thinks he's better than he is. Did he have to die and come back to become white? I know. Is it like a karate belt (laughs) colour going up to black belt? And there's, like, a checklist of things you basically have to do. Yeah, to be a black belt, I think you have to teach for a bit, don't you? I think you have to compete <laughs> at uh, some level, like a national level or something. There's a few things that qualify you for black belt. So is it like that? You have to die and come back. That's one way to get enough points. Or you can get make a load of orcs and things. Or... <laughs> the King of Rohan, he, and I don't think this is deliberate, but I think he is the most interesting character in this whole thing and the most really kind of gray character uh just in the sense that he's not a simple black and white character i don't think it's deliberate i think it's just badly handled and badly written but the idea because you know he's in he's imprisoned by whatever this magic is so it's not really his fault that his whole land has gone to shit and his son has been killed but, you know, ultimately, he's presided over this complete catastrophe. They wake him up and save his life and potentially save his whole land. And then the first thing he does is, like, he starts throwing his dick around and being a wanker. Because Aragon is saying, oh, maybe you should do that. And he's like, hey, who's the king around here? I am, aren't I? And, like, they all just want to go, but you fucked it up, mate. And then, yeah. you know, he does a lot of that. And he's a bit of a knobhead. But then we're supposed to be sympathetic with him. And then later on... He's going on about like, come on, guys, we're gonna we're gonna defend Helm's Deep. It's never it's never fallen before, and we're gonna be great. And Aragon's like, we're all gonna die. There's like three hundred people. Here. Everyone's gonna die. And he's like, well, what do you want me to tell them that they're gonna die? I've got to get these people worked up. And I like that. I liked all this stuff where he's kind of having to play a character to his men, but then he's flawed. He's kind of going from, yeah, we want to go out there and kill everyone to, oh my god, we're all gonna die, and I'm giving up. And then Aragorn has to like pick him up and say, "No, come on, let's ride our horses into a load of people that won't hurt us." <laughs> um, anyway, just basically, just that kind of. I I think it's down to a badly written character where they don't really know what they're doing with it, but it gives us the most sort of <laughs> the most varied character that we have because it's not a simple. He does the right thing. This guy does the wrong thing. This guy does the stupid thing. You know. I think, but I think that's something that, like you know, with leaders. There's never there's never the right thing to do. There's lots of options and what could be potentially the best option. And that's mm-hmm. what he thinks, he, you know, the things he decides to do is what he thinks is going to be best for his people. And that's what he's... But yeah, and I think, obviously, if you were going to make a film of this story, you could concentrate on it a lot more and play with all those ideas. Huh? They haven't got the chance here. I do think the moment where he's at his son's graveside is one of the few moments in the film that really has a bit of heart Mm. and a bit of grief to it like that kind of brings it back to the reality that somebody's son has died and Mm. that people are dying i was just thinking who was it who said they were sean bean's brother uh, no faramir which one is that who's that so they're so you know when they're 
um, Sam, uh, Gollum, and Frodo, they're watching the Ollie fonts, the, the, the <laughs> army. <laughs> <laughs> It's an elephant, and I, I put like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I thought when that happened, I'd better have fucking misheard that. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I watched it back with the subtitles to check how they said it, and it's Oliphant because they've got four tusks, so they're obviously really different. So is that why Tim <laughs> Oliphant's named that? Because he's got extra, <laughs> extra stubble. <laughs> people from Gondor, which Faramir's from Gondor, and they are... So, yeah, who's Boromir? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's not not brush past boil and mash them, stick them in a stew. (laughs) (laughs) Potatoes. Taters? What's taters? I can't do a Gollum accent. Stop trying to do it, Grace. Uh, (laughs) Taters, what's taters? I like that moment. I like all the stuff with Gollum and those two. I wish that was the whole film. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's a good sitcom setup. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, then then there's some boring stuff with people I don't care about. Is that what you were talking about? Is Liv Tyler turned up again? There's some Faramir, bullshit then? romance that happens again. Fa- F- Faramir is Boromir's brother, but we kind yeah. of only meet them in this moment where they've kind of taken the two hobbits as prisoners. We we kind of don't find out that Boromir's his brother until he's been questioning them and finds out that they were um, in this Now, are they connected to the Rohan people? Um, They're not, like, the same group. They're they're from Gondor. So Gondor's, like, the last defence next to Mordor. This is the problem when you just use white men for everything. They all look the same to me. They all look the same. They've all got mid-length blondish hair with blue eyes. I've just thought of another thing as well. They When they released the King of Rohan... From his possession, mm-hmm. they realise Wormtongue has been the bad guy all along, and he's been like uh, facilitating this. But then they're just like, "Ah, let him go. Just let him go. It's fine. It, it won't cause a problem." <laughs> As opposed to like you know smashing his head in with a hammer, which is probably what they would do, or you know at the very least going, we'd probably do some sort of due process, a judicial you know kangaroo court, and then smash his head in with a hammer. Yeah, considering Gandalf is the one who goes, here, why don't you hold your sword again? And then they decide, to, well, Aragorn stops him from killing him. I, I do think that they should kill him at that point. But even if you don't kill him, don't let him go. Yeah, yeah just go back to Saruman and, and tell him all the weaknesses in our, our fortress. That'd be yeah. good. It's just stupid. And it's not like he escapes. or They just literally say, ah, oh, let him go. Fine. It's just shit. It's just weak story. <laughs> <laughs> Around that moment, there is uh, about one hour oh eight. There is the one moment where a Kiwi accent slips through, oh. uh, which is um, the character Hammer, who later on gets killed. By <laughs> <one>. <laughs> he gets, but he, that is the one moment of a little bit of a Kiwi Do accent. Do you ever feel like naming things wasn't J.R.R. Tolkien's forte? <laughs> <laughs> Especially considering the two baddies have practically the yeah. same name. Well, I, I, um, so Gandalf's there, he helps release the king and all that. And then maybe an hour later, I suddenly was like, where the fuck is Gandalf? What happened to him? And obviously he turns up later, he's gone off to fetch, you know, the, the lads back. But was we told that? It's like he just disappeared and I, I didn't register why. I don't know if he said he was going. 
But then what was that? Was Ian McKellen like contracted at the RSC or something? Was he too busy? <laughs> <laughs> We do, we do see him like marching off to go and get his horse and he says, you know, on the f- morning of the fifth day or something like that, look to the east and you'll see me. It's, um, and he like, oh, I've lived 300 lifetimes, but I still, now I have no time. It's, it's, it's a very quick moment considering it's Gandalf. Let's deal with the fact that they introduce a female character, do a kind of half-assed attempt at maybe there's a romance thing there with Aragorn, but he's too busy thinking about Liv Tyler What's that? What were they trying to do? Why do they mess it up so badly? Why did they even bother? Uh, I was having a read about that relationship and it seems like in the books it's not meant to come across quite so romantically. It's more that she is this she this shield maiden. She wants to prove her worth and fight and, and there, maybe she mm. is attracted to Aragorn because she wants to be queen and she's ambitious but it's they kind of make it a lot more this kind of soppy thing yeah when we're talking about the length of these films and obviously in the last film we talked about it could have easily been much shorter same is true for this and one of the things they could have cut down on is like the 40 minutes we're setting up for a battle sequence where it's just constantly going like oh you know we got to get some people over there oh we haven't got enough people everyone come up to this castle have we got enough people over here no (laughs) these people have got these people have got swords now but there's not enough of them, and they're too old, or maybe too young. This one's a girl. <laughs> Let's not tell anyone. She can handle a sword. I think it's a bit uh, around here where we hit the one and a half hour mark, uh, and I wrote, "There is no plot. I am bored." So I think the film, had, <laughs> the film had lost me now. Uh, but then the best bit of the film is around this point. Go on. There's a there's a flat out army of darkness reference. Is there? Yeah. Go on then. I mean, much of this film is very inspired by Army of Darkness. Um, The way the castle siege is put together, you know, Peter Jackson is openly a huge fan of the Evil Dead trilogy and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. spoken about the influence those films had on his work and so on. Um, Yeah, I mean, you watch Brain Dead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Brain Dead is one of my very favourite films, so... (laughs) Yeah, and there, there is a very specific shot in this film where... Saruman is uh, creating gunpowder, and uh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. and the snivelling guy sort of comes over to him with a torch to look at it, uh, with a candle, and he kind of grabs the guy's hand because the flame gets too close. And that moment is not in the books. It is basically lifted from Army of Darkness when Ash is creating gunpowder, and a wise old man holds a flame too close to it to look at it, and then Ash grabs his arm, and it's shot, framed and shot, very similarly, it's it's almost certainly a, a direct nod. So that's the best bit in this film, because <laughs> it reminds me of Army of Darkness. <laughs> what about that bit where Gandalf holds his staff up and says, this is my boomstick? <laughs> so, seems a bit out of place. I, I think it's about... Uh, I mean, I think it is basically half an hour of battle prep, because my next note is just two hours in, that mark. Uh, <laughs> and all the notes after that are still about this battle. But yeah, I put two hours in, yeah. I don't care, but less passionately than last time. I think I've just sort of... <laughs> just accept... Yeah, exactly, I just don't care anymore, it's fine. Accept your fate. Yeah. I really love how they do the battle. Like, Well, we we do have to get to the battle. So the Battle of Helm's Deep, which is sort of famous now as cinematic history, is like, oh, best, best battle ever! And, I uh, was so... really... Yeah, I was expecting a lot more because it's been built up as the greatest, you know, battle sequence, action sequence ever. 
Um, mm. And I think it's people who don't understand that the longer you make something doesn't necessarily make it good. Because it, <laughs> it's probably the longest battle I've ever seen in a film. It's about half an hour long. <laughs> but nothing... There's not a single moment that... Like, none of it was bad. It was all just very, you know, lots of claustrophobic shots of sword fighting. Couldn't really tell what was going on. Quick cuts. People running around on horseback. There was nothing in it where I watched it and thought, like, wow, this is choreographed amazingly. And there's there's interesting stuff going on. Yeah. You don't get a very big sense of scale. um, Yeah. Considering the situation. It's like, because... Obviously, it's not that big. They haven't got 10,000 people. They've got, you know, 500 or whatever, and the rest is CGI. You've got to make it nice and dark so the CGI doesn't show too badly. There is, there's a wide shot before it gets dark where it looks so much like a computer game. Like, <laughs> it's really bad. It really stuck out to me. There's, there's one shot where they're all retreating and it kind of pans up over the turrets and you see them all running around. That was the one sort of epic shot about it. And then, yeah. But yeah, it's surprisingly small in terms of the way it's shot. And I don't necessarily think that's to its benefit. I think they hide it well. But it's also, I, I must say, though, I was I was a bit scared because I don't like actions. <laughs> you wuss, back. Scared of all the orcs and the big monsters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but I must admit, the way that they do it, they have enough narrative elements in there, enough things going on that it did actually keep my interest. It, what I, because you you show me like uh, Transformers or Fast and the Furious, and it's just like oh, whatever. But this, it, I was involved enough that I was watching it. So yeah, there's a bit of a battle here, and then okay, now Aragorn and so and so has to go over here to do this little thing here. We were focusing on these little moments, coming back up here and seeing the bigger picture, focusing on this little moment. That's what I think makes it so good. In terms of, yeah, I think it worked well in those terms. Um, I didn't get Because I was that. a bit scared this was going to be a 40-minute battle sequence. I love that scene because you've got, like, you've got the little bit of banter between Legolas and Gimli to keep you kind of, like, something to make you laugh. You've got... <sighs> well, all... that's it. I mean, the weakest banter in cinematic history, yeah. <laughs> like it i I think it's silly um but i like and you've got okay so now they're fighting with these weapons now this is going on now legolas is sliding down the stairs on a shield that then smashes into somebody's chest can we talk about that i love that moment (laughs) (laughs) oh hey i'm legolas i'm a skater boy yay marty mcfly (laughs) cowabunga dude (laughs) the worst bit in the entire film no no I did notice how all the ladders that they had were perfect, the perfect sizes to mount the castle. Like, because they start <laughs> well, off with they put like some planning in. Well, yeah, but like th- enough to like have these even extra long ladders that lift even higher up into the keep. That I was mm-hmm. just like, oh, okay, yeah, they really they, somehow they got the measurements. They knew exactly how <laughs> that was going to work. That's going to be one of the first Lord of the Rings spin-off movies, showing the the little scout who Ladder went building. in and got the blueprints of the castle ahead of time. <laughs> That's the, well, they com- found that's out the about video that game somehow. spin-off. <laughs> you have to go and measure the castle without anyone noticing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fucking brilliant... If there was a video game where you had to secretly measure an entire castle with a tape measure, <laughs> I, would, I would be all over it. I would love that game. <laughs> Yeah, and you they they cut to the like you know scared children underneath, and there's that is the only happening. That is the only reason I think that subplot is in there to establish some refugees at the castle that you can be worried about. Yeah, yeah. So you can yeah, be worried maybe. about real people, I suppose. Yeah. Um. 
I've made a note, why is the Godfather theme tune playing over this battle? Did you get that at all? I, 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 I have to say, I, I made a big sort of complaint about... Well, not complaint, but I, I was very worried in our previous episode that um, given that the f- music in the first film is essentially the Lord of the Rings theme tune playing on an endless loop, I was really worried that it was going to be the same thing again from start to finish in this film. And they showed really admirable restraint because... I don't think you hear the Lord of the Rings theme play until this final battle. used a couple of times but like they've really earned it by the time it kicks in it's uh, like a really cool kind of like oh yeah like they're swelling the how cool is it like it was actually getting me going because i was like wow they've held off from using the theme tune for like two and a half hours that's really cool uh but instead (laughs) we kept getting this kind of godfather like tune playing oh god i yeah that that does sound like it (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i I, like for me this battle like i i really enjoy it because i also like people throwing around big smashy swords and stuff that i i'm not much of like a action sequence sort of person when it comes to like guns and explosions and stuff but this Mm. is this is absolutely my my kettle of fish and so then when we have the moment of kind of gandalf coming to the rescue like you know it seems like all hope is lost and then you've got that the the sunlight blinding the orcs and they're coming to the rescue and it's like it's really cool and also there is um i've skipped over it but there is a a brilliant line from gimli that still makes me giggle like a child um which of course is uh you'll have to toss me (laughs) you'll have to toss me don't like that (laughs) i can't do impressions of anybody why do i keep trying um (laughs) I, I've got a, uh, a recommendation for you, by the way. If uh, How are you with zombies? I love zombies. Have you seen Kingdom, the South Korean Netflix zombie TV show? No, but that right, sounds what, amazing. Watch it immediately, because if you're into action sequences with people fighting with swords, it's, it's basically just... Uh, twelve hours, I think, two seasons um, of of just <laughs> of zombie that and zombies, zombie attacking. Like it's it's a it's medieval South Korean castles <gasps> being besieged by hordes of zombies, and they're defending it with oh limited gunpowder and samurai swords, whatever the South that... uh, Korean equivalent of a samurai sword is, katanas, I guess. Um, it's very that good. Sounds incredible. Yeah. Yes, please. Oh, I think fabulous. I think you'd like it based on what you've said so far. <laughs> you found my niche. I'm not a huge action scene guy generally. Like I, I'm fine with an action beat here and there in a film. I like a you know a big action movie, but I'm I'm less 
I'm not impressed if all you've got is action. I'm not impressed by the visual spectacle of something. I need kind of what Alan was saying. I need to be involved on like, ooh, what's going on over here? And I'm more interested in watching a character in the middle of a battle on a battlefield who drops their gun and has to improvise a weapon or something a bit more Mm. interesting like that. That's the kind of action I enjoy. And I was really disappointed with Avengers Endgame for just being like gung-ho action to the point that I kind of switched off at the end. But I think I might Mm. go and re-watch it and really appreciate it on a whole new level after I'm done with Lord of the Rings because... (laughs) because <laughs> I think it, it's going to make me appreciate how hard it actually is to do action of that kind on that scale that I enjoy to that level, you know, that I just don't switch off of at all, because I, I just really this battle did nothing for me and, you know, and I went into it with quite an open mind, I, I was sort of gearing up like, right, well, the film's dragged on a bit, but there's going to be a big cool fight at the end, and uh, just, don't know, don't care Chuck a few zombies in it. I'd probably be all over it, but uh... <laughs> so uh, so the battle ends. Gandalf saves the day, and then all the, the orcs run away. Is that what happens? Don't kill they them all. Do too many of them. I think they kill most of them. They must kill them all because their only purpose is to be there and fight. So I think they killed them. All. They're still outnumbered like ten to one, though. Even regardless of anything else, ten to one's easy. Is it? I could kill ten orcs. Yeah, in a little. Is Frodo there? Frodo no, and Sam there? They're somewhere Where else. Are they? So they're they're in like a fallen so a city that Gondor once had. It's like ruins of a old city. And somewhere that they're right. trying to like kind of stop Mordor from taking too much, but then the Nazgul are coming in and you know so it's 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 kind of a territory sort of thing. All I remember is at the end, Frodo and Sam have this sort of really touching scene, which was they should have kissed. It was like the obvious setup <laughs> for the kiss, and then they didn't do it. But they're sort of looking lovingly into each other and all that sort of stuff. Uh, you know, if it was a romantic comedy, they would have kissed. For sure. There is definitely, there's some serious romantic vibes going on between those two. Yeah. I, I think they should have just gone for it and full on made it a romance between those two. Will it play in the Midwest? <laughs> But then you've got Gollum having this conversation with himself. That's the ending, yeah. We just get the, the teaser that Gollum's going to betray them again. That felt like such a hangover of the old ways of doing movies pre-Marvel. It, it just... <laughs> it kept seeming like, right, we're going to... Gollum's going to mention someone and, like, oh, she's going to do it or something. And then we're going to pan over to a woman's feet and not see her face or so it it just felt like it should have come in the middle of the credits instead of at the end the pacing of the whole mm. thing just felt weird by modern standards i do i even remember when i first was watching it kind of thinking like oh surely the film's over why are they doing this bit it just doesn't feel like the right ending for that film yeah well it's a setup for the next one isn't it? that's why so shall we uh, rate the film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I feel much the same about this one as I did last week in the kind of sense that it was, you know, perfectly watchable but not particularly good, and all the f- problems with it. There's so much here that doesn't need to be there. So much that I would want to make more of. I I wouldn't go as far to say I didn't like it or that it's bad or anything like that, but it certainly didn't impress me, and, and that puts me right down on a six out of ten. That's better than I was expecting, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's a point down from last week, though. 
Yeah. Yeah, I gave seven. Oh, really? The previous one. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm sort of the inverse of you. I think I, I, I hated the Fellowship so much, and like I said, I was just kind of numb to this one. I just sort of settled in and accepted what was going to happen for the next three hours. Um, and I, I don't know, I think there was just a lot more that I could kind of get on board with this time round. You know, the little golem hanging out with a couple of hobbits scenes were cool. The fact that there there was a vague sense of three-act structure in this one that didn't exist in the previous film, because, you know, there, there's kind of... Well, there's no beginning as such, but we just get thrown into it. But then there's very much a middle as they prep for a big battle, and then an ending where they have a big battle. It didn't piss me off in quite the same way. I just thought it was a load of nonsense, but with the same sort of technical positives about it. So anyway, I'm, I'm going one point up from last week, uh, Alan, the opposite of you, so I give it a yeah. 5 out of 10. Oh. <laughs> Very strong. Uh, right, well, I, I was worried about coming back to this film, because I knew, obviously, that you guys were getting me on as somebody who liked the film, and I was suddenly like, I've not watched this in 14 years, what if I don't like it anymore? And for me, <laughs> it still stood up to me loving it. Like, obviously, I've got all the nostalgia of having loved this film before, and the costumes are incredible. The makeup yeah. and special effects for the orcs, the, like the scenery the the intricacies of the design of this film are just like this we see so many different places and so many different models and all that there's so much work that has gone into this film this film has been crafted and you know how many people have worked on it and i love how the reason i love this one the most is because you have got these three different storylines going on you get to know them so much better so for me this is my favorite film I enjoy the silly sides of it. I enjoy so much about it. And um, I'm going to give it a good solid 8 out of 10. When you say favourite, you mean out of this series, right? Out of not this favorite. series, yeah. Out of the three. No, not not my favourite film ever. That's okay. di- a whole different kettle of... I'd say two of my top favourite films are Brain Dead. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of Brain Dead. I think that's one of my favorite because I just there's so many practical effects in that and I just love it. It's just so gory and fabulous. See, it's it's weird, isn't it? Because that is another film that is, you know, an hour of setup for a thirty minute action scene at the end. But I love that one. Oh, it's such a good action scene. <laughs> yeah. When he's got the lawnmower and then there's this big massive version of his mum and there's so it just looks it looks like it's all made out of paper mache and fake yeah. blood. And it's so good. We'll have to do brain we'll have to do Peter Jackson's early films at some point on this podcast, mm. Alan. I, I wanna rewatch Meet the Feebles and Bad Taste. It makes me everything. feel physically sick, that film, and I don't know why. <laughs> there's something about it that makes me want to pee. Yeah. The bit that makes me feel sick, the only bit that does, is when the uh, the guy's eating custard and then some pus squirts in it. Oh, he, you know. yeah. Oh, my... Oh, oh that's a horrible <laughs> memory. I don't want to be thinking about that now. Was there going to be another film there? I think you, you said oh, Brain Dead yeah, and um, something else. Also, Strictly Ballroom, Baz Luhrmann. <laughs> You like the Antipodeans, don't you? You're, you're, you should just move to Australia and let, I, like I their, watch their films. <laughs> Strictly Ballroom? I just, Strictly Ballroom, yeah, because it's just got all these, like, it's just, it's Never camp as fuck. Oh, you, you need know, to see it. You have. 
You must have seen it. It's Baz Luhrmann. I think I probably heard of it, and every time I heard about it, I thought people were talking about Strictly Come Dancing. That's going to be my guess. <laughs> you quite, you probably like Strictly Ballroom. It is a sort of like John Waters-esque Baz Luhrmann film. It's... But you like John Waters. Well, yeah. But I do like Australians. Yeah, I do. I and also like Kiwis. I like what we do in the shadows as well. That's oh yeah, excellent. Yeah, very good. That's a good film. I wouldn't. Know, I wouldn't know if that's up on my top. I, I season two of that starts uh, day after tomorrow. By the way, I need to the watch TV the series. TV series. I haven't seen it yet. I've only seen the film. It's very good. It's basically just like thirty-minute versions of that film. Great. <laughs> Which is a good thing. That's all you want, yeah. Yeah, it's a great film. Oh, you know what? You know what? Another recommendation for you, actually. If you can dig it up, if you can track it down somewhere on the internet, what is much like uh, what we do in the shadows? The TV series is good, but what I'm really impressed with, and I think is great and much better than it, and no one seems to be talking about because, as far as I know, it's not gone abroad outside of New Zealand yet. Uh, there's a show on New Zealand. TV or something, like whatever their equivalent of the BBC is, called Wellington Paranormal, that has run for two series so far, and it's kind of like a, an X-Files kind of thing with the two policemen, if you remember them, from what we do in the shadows. Uh, hey. Officer O'Leary and Minogue. And it's just them being called out to, like, werewolf sightings and ghost sightings and aliens and stuff. It's fantastic. It's oh, better. I, I prefer it to the film, in fact. Oh, high praise indeed. I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where I don't actually know if it's funny or if it's just that they have New Zealand accents, but... <laughs> I do wonder that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's just, you know, you, you have a couple of policemen going up to a zombie and... The zombie going, and then going like, sir, please, there's no need for that, sir. And it's that's just amazingly funny, but I don't think it would be if they were New Zealanders. So we're kind of like Mulder and Scully. Um, she's like Scully because she's analytical, she's got the brains, and, uh, and I'm a man with brown hair. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so before, before we go, uh, Grace, do you want to give us uh, some spoiler-free thoughts on how you feel about the next one, The Return of the King? I still I haven't rewatched it yet, so um, I'm ex- I'm really excited to rewatch it, having just watched the other two again. Um, I am looking forward to the battle, but I didn't enjoy it as much as Helm's Deep. So, but maybe I will like it again. So, yeah, um, I'm just I'm excited to watch it. I really like the steward of Gondor. I think the actor that plays him does a really good job. Okay, yeah, it's pretty vague for you. So that's about it, right? I think so. That's all we have to deal with for now. Yeah. Good luck. So I hope next you in- enjoy the next one. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thank you for joining us, Grace. And yes, thank you very much. Giving us your wisdom of the Lord of the Rings. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, Sol, we're back yeah. again next week for another instalment in the exciting adventures of Lord of the Rings. Return of the King next week. Uh, how are you feeling? Are you optimistic? You're getting better as you go along. Yeah, I, Second one's better than the first. My expectation is that it will be my favourite of the three and it might get up to six out of ten. That's sort of what I'm mm. expecting from it. <laughs> <laughs> now, that could... I could be surprised. Like, I, you know, if it's... I genuinely enjoyed bits from first uh, the, the first film and this film. 
at the start before I kind of got bored of it. So, you know, they, they could make a film I genuinely enjoy. Uh, I might get sick to death of it and hate it. So it could go either way. Well, do you want to make a prediction? Do you think any of the major characters will die? Um, yes. I think Sean Bean will die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After coming back. Who Who's in the, the Fellowship? Uh, two Little Hobbits. Yeah. Sam and Frodo. They'll survive. Uh, yeah. Gandalf's going to survive because they've already killed him off once. So what's the point in killing him off again? Uh, mm. Who else is there? Viggo Mortensen's too similar to Sean Bean, so they've already killed one of them off, so I reckon he's safe. <laughs> He'll ride off into the sunset with Liv Tyler. But those two little annoying hobbits, I wouldn't want to be one of them, because I reckon one of those can go <laughs> and the other one will mourn them. <laughs> like the twins in Harry Potter. <laughs> exactly, exactly that, yeah. But then you got Gimli and Legolas, Ooh. who are just sort of muscle. Like that, one of them dying in sort of sacrifice themselves for the other is, seems uh, nailed on, doesn't it? I wouldn't be surprised if Gimli went. You know, I could see him being the right level of because uh... Gimli's the sort of person who want to die in battle. Because he's been a bit of a joke in the films so far, and I feel like it'd kind of be his moment to be serious. And okay, one last thing: if Sauron, as we know, is a big f- flamey eye, oh, I bet Sauron dies as well. Does that count? Yeah, but I think at some point he's going to have to take like uh, physical form so they can kill him properly. Ooh. So, who will be played by? And why is it? Why do I want it to be Pee Wee Herman? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to be Peter Jackson's directorial oh, cameo course. in the film is the the human form of Sauron for a few seconds before they like stab him. Is I I think Peter Jackson has a pretty visible cameo in the first one, doesn't he? As a hobbit or something. I I, I didn't he? mention in the last... I might have imagined this bell, just yeah. now. No, it rings a I bell. I definitely saw a, a fat hobbit and thought, oh, is that Peter Jackson? <laughs> and then forgot to look into it further. I'm looking it up now. Yeah, I've just looked it up. It, it, it was the guy I thought it was. He is a carrot-eating resident of Bree. <laughs> oh, and apparently he's in the Two Towers as well. Where was he in the Two Towers? He is one of the soldiers of Rohan, apparently. Really? But well, apparently, yeah. But I mean, a fun he, he's fact about the riders of Rohan: most of them are women because they couldn't find enough male riders, so they're women wearing beards. <laughs> well, there's a screenshot of him here, and he looks like a woman wearing a beard. Just the quality of the beard <laughs> they've put on his face is not very good. Anyway, I'll be sure to look out for him, and then in the third one, right prediction. Yeah. Peter Jackson's gonna die in the third one. 